the defense and for 39 yards gets the touchdown. And what a half oh. by Tom Brady. If I'm being completely honest, uh, it looked like myself and Marcus Moser were playing defensive back when Scotty Miller was just running past. <laughs> a little a little Greg Williams-esque moment. Oh, the man. problem is it came in one of the biggest games of the year, and we're going to dive into that and more. Welcome into the Game Day Podcast. Adam Kramer, Marcus Moser. A reminder, you can check us out wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Share this thing. Uh, you're going to want to uh, because this is a fun week, Marcus. Um, but next week, we were already talking off air. we got prop bets. we got things to talk about. we got draft stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got all sorts of movements. My, my Deshaun Watson Jets dream is alive and well. So first and foremost, always good to talk to you. And second, what, what piques your interest right now other than everything in the world of football? Uh, hi, Adam. It's uh, it's nice to talk yeah. to you, first and foremost. Uh, it's a senior bowl. I love the senior bowl, and especially with no combine this year, this is really the big last draft event that we have. Uh, so as we're doing this pro- podcast, we've been checking in on the, the practice updates. Uh, we had measurements on Tuesday, and that's always a lot of fun. So the senior bowl has my full undivided attention right now. It's it's arm length season. It's underwear season. It is, uh, but it is important. I, I say Absolutely. this like jokingly, but I'm deeply interested in all this. And I, I'm really interested to talk to you about the senior bowl in a bit, because I do think this year more than ever, because you had a lot of opt-outs, you had shortened years. Like this is a big week for a lot of guys, especially as we see the combine uh, not going to be what it is. So like, this is a hugely uh, important week. Looking forward to talking uh, about that. A reminder, guys, uh, go to thegameday.com, shop around with affiliates. We're running out of games, but again, all sorts of uh, interesting gambling options here coming up, and we'll dive into that briefly this week, and we're going to go nuts on it next week. So, Marcus, last week, uh, one and one for me, one and one for you, 30 and 25 for myself, 34, 31 uh, for you. Um, uh, I was all over it on the totals uh, side, not so much on the team side. Let's start with Let's start with KC and Buffalo for you in this game. What stood out? Because for me, the big takeaway, the, the juicy thing of this, of course, is Josh Allen um, defense. I, I, it's hard to argue with, frankly, when you look at that mm-hmm. game, the way KC covered the way Buffalo simply the offense was a shell of what we saw. Right. It, it was. And I think Adam, when I was watching this game, I was thinking in my head, how many points would Kansas city have to be down for me to really get nervous about them not winning? Because when it was nine, nothing, I was like, eh, that's nothing. And as soon as that game got to 14-9, you knew it was over. Like, you, yeah. you just knew that game was over. So Kansas City remains just unstoppable. It's pretty clear now that they were just on cruise control during the entire 2020 season. And then once they got to the playoffs, they started to, to heat things up. Uh, they're, they're just a phenomenal team. Patrick Mahomes is still ridiculous. Even despite having turf toe and no offensive tackles, he goes out and just puts on a show. So Chiefs are, I mean, I, I get, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but I get why the Chiefs are favored in this Super Bowl. It's not hard to see why. I, I think Mahomes' greatness is just sort of um, assumed already mm. at such a young age. You're watching him put up these numbers and it, it is amazing to me how normal it feels, if that makes sense, right? So I had Buffalo in this game. I had the over um, and I knew I was cooked. <laughs> like I knew I was cooked. That was a very, that was a very fluky start for Buffalo. And you're yeah. like, okay, that's the kind of start you probably need. I was pretty impressed with Kansas city's defense too. I got to say, I mean, that, that part to me really stood out. I know the injury with Mahomes and everything leading up into the week was the talking point. The way that defense responded 
Um, I, and they're going to have to do it again. I, I thought that was outstanding, right? So I guess if you're Kansas City, to me, that was their most complete game. Because even when Buffalo was getting points, mm. Marcus, like the game was over. That game, like, that, yeah. that game was over 14 to nine. Uh, look, the other takeaway, by the way, we have to talk about it, is the coaching. And this is a theme for both of these games. Dude, kicking field goals. Um, you're, ooh, you're playing ooh. Mahomes and McDermott's had a great year. I can't not mention that because as someone who's back Buffalo, that was a screaming internally moment, right? I'm watching this. I know my fate. He's trying to cut Patrick Mahomes to death with a spoon and it's just not going to work, man. So the field goal kicking, what were your thoughts on the coaching in this game? We'll get to the other game too, because we got plenty of thoughts of that as well. Yeah. Against Mahomes and the chiefs, the only time you should be kicking a field goal is if it guarantees a win at the end of the game with zero ticks left on the <laughs> clock. Like I'm being serious, yeah. Adam, like against this offense, you cannot afford to have drives uh, that stall out in the red zone. If it's fourth and nine from the 10 yard line, you, you got to go for it. You have to, you've got to score touchdowns when you're down there. You're just not going to have that many opportunities to catch them. Uh, you, you just felt like as soon as uh, McDermott kicked that field goal, the game was over. I don't know if it makes a difference. Um, like, I think the Chiefs still win and cover. So, but it still was like it, the mentality. And, and what's odd, Mario, Mar all season, Buffalo has been aggressive. Like, I mean, they've been going for it in moments. Well, sometimes, like, like, not very smartly going, uh, being aggressive. Yes. Like, in this game, they, there was a chance, you know, they were down by 17 and they go for two to cut it to a 15 point game rather than just kicking the extra point and making it a 16 point game. Buffalo actually got the onside kick after that. Uh, they did turn it over down in the red zone, but why not make it uh, guaranteed making it a, a two score game rather than going for two there? I, I don't understand. Some of the McDermott's decision in this game were just mind boggling. Okay. Perfect segue to the other game. Um, fun game, by the way, mm. Green Bay, Tampa, fun, fun game. Again, over hit Tampa covered. Uh, Tom Brady had a couple of like uh, old man floaters up there that were just kind of glazing beyond because Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl. But man, there was a couple of really bad throws. But the coaching decision by LaFleur, you're down eight, you're moving the ball, you've got two minutes left. Yes, you have your three timeouts. Um, I was, I, it was like a glitch. Like when I'm watching this unfold, the announcer, like the whole vibe of it was really odd. Of course, Twitter, which is the best NFL head coach in the universe, uh, is, is outraged, is throwing things, is burning things. And it's hard to argue with. So mm -hmm. in that moment, when they line up to kick the field goal, what inside your brain is going on right there? Well, first and foremost, can we back up a little bit to that third down play where Aaron Rodgers scrambles outside the yes. pocket? I, personally, Adam, I, I don't think he scores on that play. Devin White is right there. Now, Rodgers probably gets it to, I don't know, the three or the two-yard line, I, but I don't Agreed. think he scores. No, I don't think he was going to score, uh, but it certainly would have made a uh, more manageable fourth down for sure. Would have made an easy decision. I think it would have helped out LaFleur in that. Uh, Marcus, I thought it was interesting, too, af after the game, like LaFleur kind of owned this um, pretty quickly, right? Like not often do you hear a coach say, like, yeah, I kind of regret doing that. But with hindsight and everything else, I mean, it, it was a pretty obvious decision. That said, Tom Brady was bad uh, at times. Great at times, bad at times. Bitter Jets fan, uh, mm -hmm. completely put that on the table. Of course, you know this already. Had a couple of great throws, obviously the one at the end of the half, but also a couple of hellaciously bad decisions mm -hmm. that in most games would have cost them the game. So if you're looking at Brady's performance, and maybe how it will carry over to the Super Bowl or just in a vacuum. How did you think he played? 
Yeah, I mean, the throw to Scotty Miller at the end of the half was one of the best five or six throws of his career. But if you remove that throw, he was pretty awful. And it was shades of 2015 uh, Peyton Manning with the Denver Broncos where he just doesn't have it. And you'll see it from time to time, him look like the old Tom Brady, uh, but he just has not played very well in the last two playoff games against the Saints and the Packers. Maybe he was missing Antonio Brown in this game. That could possibly be an explanation uh, but this is pretty clearly a, a, a compromised Tom Brady or, you know, just a, a really aging Tom Brady. And again, he's 43 years old, so it's not unexpected. But to think he's still a top five or six quarterback in the league, that's just not the case. It's interesting because in moments he still has it. He still has zip. And like when Peyton went completely broken, it was just broken. Mm-hmm. When Breeze looked very broken, and it was gone. And, and yet Tom could still do it which, you know, is a perfect segue to the game itself, right? You've got the GOAT, which is Tom Brady versus Mahomes. This is a ratings bonanza, of course. The Mm -hmm. storylines are there. I don't know how many Mahomes-Brady stories we're going to read over the next two weeks. A lot, more than we probably need, but I understand it. So we're going to break this down in depth, like microscope, prop bets, uh, I want your thoughts on national anthems and coin flips next week. Okay, we're going to go all in on that. But for now... Three and a half is the spread. And I think the total, Marcus, is what jumps out to me the most. 56 and a half. This is like Texas Tech, Oklahoma, mm. 2014. Like that's a that's a big total. So without tipping your hand here, and we've got some really fun things, by the way, coming next week uh, with the game that we're excited to talk about. Early thoughts on just the line and the game itself. Yeah, so the, the spread, three, three and a half, depending on your sports book. I do want to say this. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has played in seven career playoff games of the six that he's won. No game has been decided by fewer than five points. The only one that was five points was that Cleveland game, which he got knocked out of every other game has been a double digit victory for Mahomes. The chiefs are 25 and one in their last 26 games in which Patrick Mahomes starts. I'm not giving away my pick Adam. I'm just saying the chiefs are awfully hard to beat. Uh, I am too. I think the time off is certainly going to be good for them as well. Uh, interesting loss of Fisher on the O-line. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a little bit of a change. Uh, certainly something to consider. I'm, I am pretty excited about that uh, Tampa pass rush. Now, granted, I think it's going to have a, a much you know more worthy adversary coming up. That group was great. I mean, that group Shaq really Barrett, is, Yeah, Shaq oh, Barrett is a monster. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they've played extremely well. I'm just excited. Like, we're going to talk about this in depth. I do think that total uh, – I want to think about that total because when you watch these, these quarterbacks, these offenses, these weapons, you know, we had big totals last week, Marcus. We were all over that. We, we thought there would be some points, and, and there were, and there probably could have been more. You had some interceptions, nullified points. So, um, I, I find that total fascinating, and it takes me back, of course, to my college roots, as it usually always does. So, just a quick, quick overview. We just want to get a little taster in there. But next week, we're going to go in depth. And, um, yeah, you mentioned it. Chiefs couldn't cover a game except the Jets. Uh, They did okay for backers this week. And I would imagine made people a lot of money. Uh, All right. So let's move on to a new segment here. I am very excited about this. Fill in the blank. Okay? This feels like I'm getting my game show host on, which I've always (laughs) wanted to do. So I'm going to say a sentence. And and then I'm going to want you to fill in the, the, the sentence with uh, a word, whatever word comes to mind. Now, I looked at these, Marcus, but I did not lock in my word because I wanted to just pour out of me, okay? And it will be something uh, suitable for all audiences, I hope. 
But I'm going to start off with the obvious place, of course, which is Aaron Rodgers. So the first one here is Aaron Rodgers is a blank next year. It sounds dirty, actually, the way I'm saying it. But Aaron Rodgers is a what next year? Back-to-back MVP. I think Rodgers is going to have a monster season next year. I think the Packers are going to do everything possible this offseason to bring him in talent, whether that's drafting receivers in the first couple rounds, signing guys, trading for him. I think they realize now that they messed up last year by drafting Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon with back-to-back picks. They're going to go get him weapons. And I I have a feeling we're going to see Rodgers have one of these 50-touchdown years next season. I'm going to just go Packer because like, it's interesting, the speculation of, you know, I saw, you know, Florio floating teams that could get him and, and reading the Packers CEO today, like, like, come on. And even LaFleur, like, like this seems to be like, everybody's upset. They've had some late postseason uh, disappointments for sure, mm-hmm. but like they would be out of their minds. Now this point next season, um, maybe, right. I think that part's really interesting. At what point, do you distance yourself from Rogers or is love become an expendable asset? I, and I'm with you. I was going to go with MVP because I think the guy's amazing. I think he proved it this year. I thought he played phenomenal. Yes. I mean, it's, it's a really incredible, like all time effort for Nod, uh, which is a shame because the guy was a monster and his offensive line didn't do a whole heck of a lot. In fact, not to a lot of his guys, frankly, didn't do a whole heck of a lot. When you look at the struggles that Jones had, I mean, this was a collective failure. They, they sure. lost David Bakhtiari a few weeks ago, so they didn't have yes. their left tackle. So their offensive line was in shambles. Devontae Adams, we have already talked about him, did not have his best game. The rest of the weapons are just average. They've got to get better there next year. All right. So next one. Okay. We'll stay current with playoff teams, not hiring B. The enemy is now the enemy of course is going to coach in the super bowl as the offensive coordinator i'd say i'm a little bit surprised still that this is the where we are but so not hiring him marcus what say you not surprising and I, i'm going to start by saying this i think eric the enemy deserves to be a head coach but he actually has a couple things going against him number one the chiefs are in the super bowl and this yes. is the second year in a row the chiefs are in the super bowl and teams just don't want to wait this long into the offseason to hire their new head coach uh, so their team success is actually holding the enemy back because, again, teams don't want to wait that extra month before they can get their coach into the Senior Bowl and, and all the scouting stuff and free agencies. So that's that's hurting him. And then the Andy Reid, you know, coaching tree has not been fantastic. And I think some people are seeing that kind of play out between Matt Nagy's had middling success, Pat Shermer, Brad Childress. And I think when you get away from Andy Reid, a lot of these guys just struggle being creative and they don't always get a Patrick Mahomes to work with. So again, I believe the enemy deserves to be a head coach, but it's not all that surprising. He doesn't have a job yet. I'm going to say a little surprising. I'm not going to go shocked. Um, When you have this kind of success, when you're able to help groom this kind of player, when that player endorses you publicly Mm -hmm. to the degree Patrick Mahomes has had with the emphasis on offense right now in the sport, it's a little surprising. And, and you're, you bring up great points. The timing, like he's, I think this is a product of circumstance and we're not in the interview interviews. Obviously we don't know what's going on. I don't believe he's bombing or anything like that. No, I do no. think it's just a reality of where they are, maybe where some teams are. And I think that's okay for him, by the way, like this is fine. Like he's going to have the opportunity to, to get a job. He should be picky. Point. Like he shouldn't just settle Absolutely. for the Texans job or Eagles job. I mean, if they offered those jobs to him, maybe he takes them. But listen, most 
coaches only in the league get one shot. And I'm not tying my, my future to the Eagles or the Texans right now. I actually, and, and if I were to redo this again, I would say not hiring the enemy is his game. Yeah. Like he's, he, this offense is going to remain awesome. Okay. Like he, there's going to be jobs out there and I think he will be picky. So I don't necessarily, you get paid good money to coach Patrick Mahomes. This, this job can wait. You're absolutely right. You, if it doesn't work out it, it, these days, it's hard to get it again. So I think it's mm -hmm. an okay situation for all. All right. Deshaun Watson will be a blank in 2021. Marcus, I'm going first here. Okay. I actually legitimately think it could be the Jets. Now, um, you know, it should be the Texans. Okay. But I think the more people that I talk to, and when you looked at the circumstances surrounding their specific quarterback position, not the Dolphins, um, I think the Jets have a legitimate shot at this thing. And I know there are reports that he, his first choice is New York and New York and Miami. I, I don't buy so much into that. For as much of a laughing stock as my team is, I think they're actually in a unique situation with a coach that people like and a GM that seems to have a, at least a decent enough reputation where it's not going to scare people away. Again, this is the threshold for a sad Jets fan. So I really do think, and it's, it's hopeful optimism, and you can see right through this, of course, you know me well. Um, I think he's got a legitimate chance to go to the Jets, and please, God, I hope it happens. Please do this for me. I would say that Deshaun Watson is a New York Jet. I yes. would agree with you because I think things line up better for the Jets than they, than they do the Dolphins. I still think the Dolphins want to see what they have in Tua. I don't think they've completely given up there. The Jets have a lot of draft capital coming up. They have Sam Darnold, who they could move for right now. Yeah. They also have a higher pick, which is important because that means that you had the, the Texans that have the choice between a Zach Wilson and a Justin Fields if it comes down to that. I do think they are in pole position right now. And let's hope nothing changes that oh, because Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson in New York, Adam, would be, be awesome. so much fun. I, again, Francisco Lindor and Deshaun Watson in one offseason for me would be – but, Marcus, I know how my teams are. They'll find a way to blow it. I, I, what, what is the package, though? So this is – I find really interesting, and I'd love to get your opinion because it starts with the number two pick. The Jets have four first-rounders in the next two years. So the Jets could actually do this without, like – you know, with still having some ammunition – but what is what is an ideal pack? What's a realistic package? We've talked about this on the show already, I know. Yeah, so before we get into the package, I do want to put this out there. And again, I'm not reporting this. It's just from people Ooh. that I've talked to around the league. Oh, yes. That wherever Deshaun Watson goes, Will Fuller is going to follow in free agency. They love playing together. Uh, and so if, if you think of it that way, oh, yeah. if I'm giving up the second pick in the draft, another first-rounder that you're getting from Seattle – uh, this year, and then let's say another first rounder in the 2022 draft and some middle round picks that probably at least gets you to the table and you're starting to have a discussion there. Done. I, 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 if I'm the Jets, I'm fine. Give, if I have to give up three first round picks and a couple day two, day three picks, I'm doing it because this is a franchise changer. And I think you're going to get a wide receiver that can be an absolute uh, explosive, explosive option on the outside. Plus you'll get maybe a two, maybe a three back for Darnold. So you, sure. I mean, it's not, you know, sure. again, you're giving up on that. And he might be in that trade as well. So that would factor. That's in true. In there about it, well. it could. Yeah, no, but that's, I'm in. All right. I have more excitement now. I'm like childish joy here. That Denzel Mims and Will Fuller. Yeah, and I'm Crowder. in. That's, that's not bad. You can work with no, that. I can. Draft me Najee Harris at some point. Find go. a way to do that. I'm in. All right. 
blank should sign Matt Stafford. Um, I guess Marcus, I'll kick it to you. I found the, the, I found the whole thing a little odd the way that this is playing out publicly like this, like we're mm-hmm. done. I, I feel like you, you kind of lose some leverage. I, it just feels strange. So that being said, blank should sign Matt Stafford. Yeah, I think it's the Colts. And I think they're the overwhelming favorite right now because they have everything that Matt Stafford needs to, to, to win there. Uh, first and foremost, they've got the cap space. They've got the draft capital so they can make a move for him. They've got an offensive line. Now they need to, to find a left tackle with Anthony Costanzo retiring. But Frank Wright wants to throw the ball down the field. He couldn't do that with Phillip Rivers. Uh, shout out, Phillip Rivers. Always a, a friend of the show. Of course. Uh, I, I just think in that offense with a, a young Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, who will be coming back next year, this opens up that entire offense. I think the Colts would become instantly the favorites in that AFC South and maybe one of the favorites in the AFC. So I think that's where Stafford needs to land. Uh, same here. I'd love it too, because Jonathan Taylor looks like if he can not fumble is going to be a star. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got really fun pieces. You still have a good old line. You have a defense that showed some flashes too. I, I, you know, I'm curious how Matt Stafford's going to age toward the end of his career because he's taking some punishment. This is a guy though, that despite his mileage still has a lot left, I think. And I, mm-hmm. for him, I hope this happens. Like I'd love to see him in a good stable environment so we can kind of really evaluate and see the full Stafford potential you know and I actually think he's going to age well behind a good offensive line because his arm is just so talented he doesn't have to always make plays outside the pocket go to the Indianapolis Colts probably extend your prime by another three or four years and you are on a a playoff contender year in and year out Okay, real quick, um, what do you think the trade packages looks like here? Because I, I saw some wild, some wags, some wild blank guesses <laughs> because it's hard. This is a quarterback who's played a lot. Um, you know, so I saw people saying multiple first. I'm, I have a hard time believing that. So where does it start here? Well, I guess we need to go back and look at some other quarterback trades of the last couple of years. We saw the Raiders give up a first-round pick for a kind of washed-up Carson Palmer who retired. Uh, we saw Jay Cutler go for two first round picks, you know, during the middle of his career. We saw Sam Bradford get traded twice for a first round pick. I think Stafford is more talented than all those guys. So uh, I would say a one and something else significant, whether that's a, a day to pick, maybe it's a player, maybe it's an offensive lineman, but I think a first round pick at the very minimum uh, is what you need to have uh, the conversation before trading for Stafford. And it would be worth it at that. When you actually think about it, you're right. The value of the quarterback does hike that up tremendously. And last but certainly not least, Campbell's presser was blank. Over the top. It felt like a wrestling promo, right? I, I thought he was going to rip his shirt off and start going into the ring or something. I mean, it's who Dan Campbell is. I remember his time with the Cowboys. He was the same kind of fiery guy as a player. Uh, I I'm not convinced, Adam, that it's going to translate into wins. Uh, At the game day, uh, I wrote about all the head coaching hires. This was my least favorite by far. I I just don't get it. I I would say meat-headed likeness personified. (laughs) I I just – that is such the – this aging, dated football mentality, right? And I just – I don't – I want him to do well. I do not wish bad on any coach. Coaching is very hard and he will it be is. paid millions of dollars. But when we talk about the enemy looking for a job and, and, and true offensive genius, and that is the initial response. Um, 
it's hard to wrap your head around. I don't know how that plays well in, in interviews, unless you're, you're interviewing with people that are just largely meatheads or incompetent. I'm sorry. I, I, I said, I wanted to do well, but I just, I'm baffled well, who, by this. Who was doing the interviews? Wasn't it Chris Spielman, the former linebacker? Yeah, of course. There? I mean, so they're that, probably that makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. They got an Oklahoma drill going in the, in the hallway or something. I mean, <laughs> like, 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 but I just, I, I think it'll be funny and he'll be hilarious. I mean, from a soundbite perspective, this is tremendous content, but I just, if you're a player on that team, like you gotta be seeing this and just being like, Oh God, like, what, how many, how much hitting are we going to do? Like you start to oh, yeah. do the math of what this translates to. It's, it's not great. And especially uh, now that, you know, your franchise quarterback is leaving Kenny Galladay, your star receiver is probably leaving in free agency. Yes. And some dark days ahead for Detroit fans. It, oh, they're used is. to it though. So it's not, it's nothing surprising. Yeah. It'll feel normal. The responses <laughs> from Detroit fans on Twitter for this was uh, unbelievable, even by their very elevated standards. All right. Yep. So, from from that we transition to the something now senior bowl where right now you've got this on in your setup give me your senior bowl setup right now as we do this podcast you're probably ignoring me watching routes what, <laughs> what is this what is seriously what does this week mean to you and what does it mean for the for the players obviously moving forward yeah this is one of my favorite weeks of the year because i love watching these drills because it's the first time we get to see guys from the mac or small school go up against Alabama and Ohio State guys on the other side of the field. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm watching, watching practices at home this year on my TV. I got a hookup to watch the, the L22 film in my office. So uh, a great week, week for me. It's even more important, obviously, for the players. Again, this is the last on-field thing they're going to do until they're drafted. Uh, we'll see about the status of pro days. No combine this year. Uh, so for a lot of these guys, and especially for the players that opted out of the 2020 season who are now participating in the Senior Bowl, this is their one big chance to show what they've been working on over the last 12 months. So we're going to be covering the draft process like crazy, but you hit on a couple of points, which I think, A, you talk to people around college, around the NFL, the importance of the Senior Bowl has really grown over the last three to five years. Like the significance of this, the way guys can completely rework their draft trajectory, the fact that they even participate is a good thing, right? right? Like just by being there for a lot of guys, it's a check mark, is it not? Like, yes, yeah, because this used to be that used to not be the case. They had a hard time drawing people, drawing yeah, we, top it, names. Not even five years ago, it was a huge deal if you had one first round pick at the senior bowl, and now all the top seniors in the country are expected to play in the game. And uh, Devontae Smith is there now, he's now actually not participating, but he is at the senior bowl. Najee Harris, Mac Jones, a bunch of offensive linemen who could go in the first round. So this has become a, a really big deal. And credit to Jim Nagy for, for organizing it, yeah. uh, for making this uh, really a spectacle. And it's a lot of fun. It, it, we've seen over the last couple of years, Adam, a lot of guys really raise their stock. Uh, the, the one that comes to mind is Baker Mayfield, right? Yep. Entered the week in 2018 as maybe a fringe first-round pick. By the time the week was over, we were talking about him and, you know, potentially the top 10 ended up being the number one pick. We've seen it work well for guys like Josh Allen, for Justin Herbert last year, Daniel Jones. It's a big week for these guys. All right. I, and Jim, he's done an awesome job. Great dude has done a great job. They do a great job there and they're doing it amid obviously a unique year and mm. challenging circumstances. I saw he posted his binder the other night of all the negative COVID yeah, tests. It incredible. Like, uh, like four encyclopedias stacked up on each other. So hopefully uh, these guys have a great, healthy week. So, all right, 
let me start this because there's so many ways I could go with this. Give me a top player, a player who's going into this week, high status, high draft appreciation, a guy that will go in probably the top 15 to 25 picks that will solidify, you believe, their status amongst the elite college football players, now NFL football players in the country. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I'm looking at the offensive line. I know that's not the sexiest position in the world, but the senior bowl offensive line drills, you can tell a lot right away because we get one-on-one stuff. We get a lot of run blocking stuff. So uh, Alex Leatherwood, the offensive tackle from Alabama, I'm curious to see if he can stick at offensive tackle, was dominant in college, might not have the feet to, to stay at left tackle, but we shall see. Uh, Liam Etchenberg, a left tackle from Notre Dame, another highly rated prospect. And then Mac Jones, uh, a potential first-round pick at quarterback, working with the Carolina staff who owned the number eight pick with a strong week. Mm -hmm. We know Carolina's looking for a future franchise quarterback. Could he potentially be, you know, the Panthers pick at number eight? It's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. I'm glad you brought up Leatherwood because um, I thought that was a guy – so many talented, obviously, Alabama players, and the offensive line is full, full of them. Obviously, when you look at center, uh, you look at Neal. But Leatherwood was great, moved around a little bit. I think you're right. I think his uh, draft stock and appreciation, if they think he can hold up at that spot, they'll, they'll keep him there, and obviously that will be helpful for him. But just physically, that guy – 85-and-a-half-inch like, wingspan. I mean, he is, what, 6'6", too? Like, that guy is yeah. – that's how you build it. Like that's yeah. an offensive lineman. Like that's the created offensive lineman. Um, so interesting to see. Also Najee Harris, by the way, Marcus, mm-hmm. to bring up guys that I think will cement their status weighed in at two thirty, like a legit two thirty. Look, we said that all last couple of years, like, Hey, he's 230 pounds for him to actually come in and, and look that I, I am mm-hmm. curious to see at what point, what he runs. I'm not sure it really matters. No, I, no, no. I just, I, man, I love ETN. Two very different running backs. I mean, you know, Najee Harris can't catch the way ETN can, but it's close. I, I think he's going to have a, an insane week. I, I just am enamored with the physical talent that is Najee Harris. Yeah, somebody who's gotten better every single year at Alabama is leaving uh, Tuscaloosa with a lot of the records for yeah. uh, running backs there. Got quite a bit better as a pass catcher. So you're starting to see some Le'Veon Bell comparisons, similar height and weight coming out of school. Both can make plays out of the backfield as receivers. Kind of like that comp, Adam. I think that makes a lot of sense. All right. So what about a guy or, or whomever, maybe multiple, that you think is under the radar and has a chance to break out here? Because when I think of Senior Bowl week, this is, the, this is what I think about, right? You're lining up. You mentioned it. The, the small school guys with the big school guys. And these are where you start to get some really good buzz names that jump out. So what are a couple of guys that you think could jump out after this week? Yeah, so one of my big takeaways from the NFL this weekend was you need to have speed. What Tyreek Hill and Nicole Hardman do for the Chiefs is just unbelievable, and it makes defenses have to cover every blade of grass. So NFL teams are going to be looking for guys that can make those type of plays, and I've got two of them here at the Senior Bowl. Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan, 5'9", 188, runs in the low 4'3s, averaged over 23 yards per reception in his college career, just an absolute burner. And before we got on the show, I was watching some of the one-on-one clips. Not surprisingly, there's not a cornerback in Mobile right now that can cover him. Lightning quick. I expect him to have a monster week. And then Marquez Stevenson from Houston, another smaller school receiver. 
uh, 5'10", 180-pound small, but a legit 4-2 guy that can run routes, that can make plays in the air on contested passes. I think those are both top 100 picks and guys that could be instant starters right away for their respective teams. Um, we were talking before we came on about wide receiver as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. It's a ridiculous group, I think, this year. Uh, when it comes to, you know, Tylen Wallace is a guy that oh, Oklahoma yeah. State had 1,400 yards receiving, had an injury, had a good year this year, of course, opted out in the middle of the bowl game, which was, which, hey, good on him, man. You got to make that business <laughs> decision. But that's a guy, I'm, I, you know, and, and he's not necessarily a guy that's going to emerge. That's a guy that's emerged. But the depth of uh, wide receivers. So you mentioned a couple of guys that you think could break out. What, what position group are you most excited for this week? Is it wide receiver? And I guess in the draft process as a whole. Yeah, I think wide receiver is one that I always like watching no matter who's out on the field. So, I mean, again, there's a ton of guy between Kadarius Toney, who's maybe a first-round pick. Uh, I like Nico Collins a little bit as a day-two guy from Michigan. But I'm looking at the linebackers. There's some really interesting linebackers here. Uh, Chaz Surratt from North Carolina, a former quarterback that's transitioning to linebacker, super athletic. Uh, he's somebody I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, Tuff Borland from uh, Ohio State. Charles Snowden from Virginia, six foot six, 236 pounds. Uh, just incredibly long and athletic. Uh, Baron Browning from Ohio State. So it's, it's a unit with a bunch of different guys and you know, different shapes and sizes, but a lot of talent there in Mobile. All right, so the last one I'll ask you, of course, you mentioned Mac Jones. Um, and we know about Mac, of course, but, but could mm-hmm. really help himself because that's a guy that could go – probably as high as eight, maybe even higher. Who knows if he plays well, Um, but, but needs to play well. Is there another quarterback that you are interested in? And not necessarily in a way that says like, Hey, this guy's going to be a star. And I'll give you my, I mean, Jamie Newman has had a wild one, right? Okay. So, so when you look at Newman, I'm not sure how much you've studied him. I've obviously watched him up to this year, really talented, opted out. Uh, and I think that'll be a story from this because we haven't seen this guy in a while. We don't know what he's been doing for a year. So I guess is your guy Newman and, and what are your thoughts on him heading into this week? Yeah, I think that's the guy because again, you know, was at Georgia, didn't play, you know, we, it's been a long time since we've seen him, uh, but the physical tools are there, you know, 6'2", 235, strong arm, athletic, can make, you know, plays in and outside the pocket. But again, we need to see him be accurate. We need to three, see him throw on all three levels of the field. Just not a very big sample size. I think he really hurt himself by opting out and not playing this year. I think he's trying to get himself into that third, fourth round range. Uh, but that is the guy that I'm paying attention to. The other one, I think overall, I'm very interested to see what the draft process does is Felipe Franks. Because if you've ever watched him throw a football, it is, it's art. It is. Like yeah. the guy can throw the hell out of it. But, you know, it doesn't always go where you want it. And he's um, the opposite is, of Newman, right? He's been around he forever. He has. He's had injuries. I thought had times this year where he played well, but that's a guy, Those both of those guys, and this is the scouting process as a whole, if you, if you impress just the right people, mm-hmm. right? It only takes one. It only yes. takes one. And if you have a good day or a good sequence and they think it's enough, that's all it takes. So I actually – you know, it's not necessarily the star power of the Trevors and the Zach, well, you know what I mean? But there's still guys there that can really help themselves. Yeah. And I think even somebody like an Ian book could stick around as yep. a backup in the NFL. I mean, doesn't have any elite traits, but won a bunch of games at Notre Dame does seem to make some plays. Sam Ellinger uh, from Texas. I don't love, but a guy that'll probably be drafted sometime on day three and wouldn't be surprised at him if he sticks around in the league 10 years as a backup. He's going to make like 45 million as a backup. He's going to chase Daniel. Chase Daniel. Yeah. yeah, exactly. 
All right. Well, we'll, we'll talk plenty more draft stuff. It's actually, we, we both geek out on this. Mm-hmm. We're looking forward to that. Um, all right. So last thing what we're going to do is another new segment called the future. Um, so Marcus, I had to talk to the, the, the people behind the scenes to make sure what, what we can include in this and the future is what we're betting on. Right. And I, I love betting on NFL. Um, I love betting on football, but I want this to be, I want NASCAR. I want golf. I, I, like I've told you, I'm in the UFC now. I had a decent night the other night on that UFC card, Mr. Chandler helping out the old uh, bankroll a bit. <laughs> so for the future for you, what are you betting? What do you have your eye on? Give us a, a little taste of what you're going to be dabbling in here before we dive into the Super Bowl. Yeah, first and foremost, I, basketball, which I cover at the game day, you can always check out my picks there. We've been crushing prop picks, so I feel like I needed to get that little plug in there. Of course. But, but, but UFC, now that has been something that has really caught my attention over the last couple of months. We've got some absolutely incredible fights coming up in the next month and a half. Uh, that I've I've really gotten into. I'm I'm a new UFC fan, but I'm, I'm inching closer and closer to becoming a diehard UFC. Me fan. too. Me too. Pandemic, right? The pandemic did it. For, yeah, for me. I'm so just, are, uh, you, are you? Gonna... I, I'm just yeah, wondering go how much money I'm going to put on Amanda Nunes in the next couple of weeks because it, it might be all of my bankroll. She's just so much fun to watch. Might be my favorite fighter of all time right now. I did not have um, I did not have Poirier, but I did have that fight ending early, so mm. it was a good it was a good night for me. So all right, so UFC Amanda Nunes, do you have any other you got any other tips? I feel like this is like a stock trading portion of this. Any other futures that you have an eye on? Anything else you got an eye on? Yeah, I mean, I'm I, again, I'm looking at basketball futures. I still really like the Lakers right now. I think there's a value on them. I think a lot of people are looking at the Nets, it, it, what they've been doing, and once they get everybody back at full strength. I just haven't seen a better team right now than the Lakers. They've been dominant on the road this year, 11-0. They're coasting, and they're still killing teams. So Lakers right now, still a good futures bet. I watched LeBron last night. It was just incredible. <laughs> it was. It was just cutthroat in the fourth quarter. Absolutely outstanding. All right. I've got some Heisman futures for you. Of course, college football, right? So the season's settled. These odds have matured a little bit. I'm going to give you two guys. Uh, I think JT Daniels, mm. you can get right around 20 to one. Look, Demonta Smith, awesome. A wide receiver wins his Heisman. We know how this is going to go. Okay. That's not going to open the floodgates. You need to be a quarterback. You need to play on the best team. You need to play on a team that's going to win a lot of games in a high profile conference. Georgia should be good. Now Georgia mm-hmm. made Georgia this thing like they always do, but I, I don't think people understand the way that that Kirby Smart has recruited since he's got there is at an Alabama level. Like, I, I'm I'm hesitant to buy Georgia because I've seen this and Georgia fans knows this in very, uh, incredibly well. But JT Daniels, I love. And then the other guy, look, man, Steve Sarkeesian is going to change this dude's life. Bijan Robinson, mm-hmm. the running back in Texas. I I actually did a story on him last year. Watched him in person um, out in Arizona the best high school football player I've ever seen actually mm-hmm. caught a Hail Mary at the end of the half. It was, it was ridiculous. It was like a video game, 25 to one. You saw the way Sark really transformed Najee Harris. Right. Um, I mean, that, that, that is in terms mm-hmm. of pass catching Bijan is that, is that dude. So can I, can I give you two yeah. really quickly? Yes, uh, first please. of all, Desmond Ritter from yeah, Cincinnati probably should have come into the NFL draft might have been a top 100 pick. Goes back to school. I think he's going to put up big numbers. Cincinnati, I think they're going to be a top 15 team next year. Uh, so just somebody to keep an eye on. And then I need advice on this one. 
Is oh, yeah. De'Aaron King a sucker bet right now at 12 to one? I know he tore his ACL in, in the bowl game, but coming back for what is this, his fifth or sixth year in college football. Yeah. So dynamic. He put up huge numbers now with uh, the hurricanes and with Houston. Am I foolish for betting on De'Aaron King? He should be healthy by the time the season starts and he should be better. He's gotten a lot better of a passer. Yes, he has. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how they use him. Look, I'm, I love De'Aaron King. So, no, like that conference is still going to be one that he demolishes largely. Mm-hmm. And even Clemson going to have a lot of new bodies. Um, I like it. I, I'm a De'Aaron King guy. So am I. Um, yeah. So, you know what I mean? So, I, and I get why the favorite Spencer Rattler, Bryce Young, DJ, I mean, these are, it's going to be tough to beat those guys, but they're still fun in that. Yeah. We got to go for value here. I, I think I put maybe a, a unit on it just to follow it all season long, right? Just so that I can have more, uh, you know, at stake when I'm watching De'Aaron King because it's he's just so much fun. I, I can't wait. Talk more college football futures, NFL futures. Uh, get that money in, in there and let it <laughs> sit for a year. Um, all right, so next week we mentioned it. Um, huge Super Bowl blowout. Prop bets, t- breaking down the game in depth. Uh, I can't wait. The prop bets are always outrageous, Marcus. Have you had one in particular over the years that you that you tend to flock to? Because like, this is a week where you have fun. Yes, you do some strategic, like, mm. hardcore analysis betting, but also you want to have fun. So is there a prop bet you always look forward to? Yeah, one of my biggest uh, gambling wins of my entire lifetime was Shane Vereen when he was with the Patriots to catch nine or more passes against the Seattle Seahawks. He caught ten. And uh, we're still paying off our house with that money. Wow, that is a, <laughs> that's great. Well, that's what we're going to dive into. We need to find a Shane Marine next week. Uh, I've we got will... him. Don't you worry. I've already been writing oh. them down. We're good. We got some. I, 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 we've got some guaranteed winners next week. I I am pumped. And again, we've got some fun game day stuff. Uh, we got to get. We, we got to do some behind the curtain communication here. It sounds like to get things going. Uh, we'll pressure on us a little more pressure than usual. No pressure at all. We're gonna we're gonna hit all of them. No worries. I can't wait, man. I can't <laughs> wait. It's gonna be fun. Uh, a reminder, guys, check us out. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Be sure to share this again. Leading up to the Super Bowl, even though the season is is gonna wind down, we're just gonna get started here. Uh, you you heard us getting giddy over the draft. Uh, there's gonna be a lot more of that free agency more coaching hires. Hopefully Dan Campbell keeps talking because we can mm. talk about that all day. And then be sure to check out uh, thegameday.com. See what our affiliates have to offer when it comes to pricing. Marcus, any parting thoughts? Yeah, I just want to let people know that I've got my first mock draft of the year coming out later this Ooh. week on the game day. Over 4,000 words, uh, little nuggets and info on every single player, stuff from scouts and executives around the league. So Ooh. pay attention to that. You got any spoilers at two for me, or are we going to have to go log in? Uh, I think you might want to start studying up BYU just a little. Okay, good, good. Until we trade that pick. (laughs) uh, All right, Marcus, always fun. Looking forward to next week. Guys, again, tune in, share, and we will. uh, Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week.